And in Romans chapter 4, we're going to start in verse uh, 11, and we're going we're to uh, begin to read here in verse 11. What I want to talk to you today about is really a culmination of what we have been reading and about uh, and what we've been praying about as it relates to Psalm 119, that uh, there was this, uh, this uh, servant of God that began to cry out to God. And he said that, God, remember the, the, the word you gave to your servant, or it has given me hope. And so this morning, my, what I want to share with you and talk to you about at the end of our time of fast and prayer is what I've said so much over the course of this week. Hold on to your promise. Hold on to your promise. And in the book of Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, and it says it like this, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And so the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not through the law or natural things, but it was through having a right relationship with God through faith. Verse 20 says it like this, because of that, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. God had the power to do what he had promised. And so this morning, when God introduces us and wants to introduce us something to uh, us to something, so that we can understand what God does, is He uses someone who represents all of us, and they have something that we can relate to. It's not just really about them; it's not all about them, but it is also about us. Although God is using them as a representative to us. And sometimes, when you think about that, all of us is actually in one of us. The story of Adam and Eve is an example of that because it's not just about Adam, it's just not about Eve, but it's really the story about all of us. And what God is doing is he's showing us the nature of man. God is showing us really something about ourselves, and, and it, is into, it is really about doing things that we are prohibited to do. So through Adam and Eve, God is showing us something about ourselves. But what God is also doing is he's showing us his nature and his redemption. And so if God, uh, when God represents to us uh, a promise or a word, what he does to help us understand, he literally will introduce us to, to uh, a someone or a concept so that we can see that. And it represents us, and we have to take hold of that so that we can understand what God is doing. And so by the time that we finish, what we do is that Adam and Eve, we, we do is we come across in the book of Genesis, Cain and Abel. <laughs> and what it does is it shows us that if we are not careful, we will begin to fight against one another. And somehow what we do is that we feel that if we bring someone else down, then we can be elevated ourselves and be accepted. That's the nature of Cain and, 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 and the Abel relationship. And you've heard it. It talks about a crab mentality. That if you ever, if you're from Louisiana, 
Okay, if you're from the country. Okay, if you're from Texas. Well, let's break this thing down if you live in Texas. So what we understand is that if you've ever seen crabs, they're trying to always get out of the bucket. But when one elevates uh, 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 beyond the group, what happens? One, uh, they'll pull them back down to the level where they are. And so the crabs stay in the bucket because of the people or the crabs that they're hanging around in the bucket. And no matter how hard they, they try, they cannot. And one will crawl up the wall just to pull the one that's ahead of him down. And so what we recognize then is that uh, we see through Genesis that whatever is unchecked, it begins to pick up momentum and it begins uh, to move forward at an accelerated pace. Let's look at this because the struggle, this struggle when we look at the book of Genesis is really about the blessing and the curse. And if we uh, uh, recognize that if, the, if, if some things are not really addressed, what they do is that they gain momentum and then they will begin to accelerate. And it's not too long that we go from Cain and Abel and we come to the book of Noah where the Bible says that everybody was doing evil and they were fighting against one another and God found a man. And out of obedience of this man, that it demonstrates another nature that whatever you put your hands to in obedience to God, you can take care of your family. Now look at this. It begins to perpetuate. Because in Genesis 6, it says that the whole world, uh, earth is filled with fighting and they're filled with rage. And so we recognize that when we look through the book of Genesis, it's really uh, setting up a process of blessings and curses. And what the blessing is, we've got to see this, because the blessing speaks, but the curse also speaks. And the blessing says there's enough because God is more than enough. But what the curse says is that there is not enough and other people are my adversary. That I'm in competition with other people. Therefore, that I am going to have to fight. I'm going to have to uh, be in competition with them for me to get ahead and be accepted. Because why? A fear of scarcity. A fear of it not being enough. But the blessing says that there is more than enough because God is enough. And so what we recognize then that God is saying you got to be careful with the mentality of scarcity. scarcity. Because when you feel like that there is not enough, then you'll begin to act like a nature that I have delivered you from. And we see how God is really connecting all of this together because the concept is, is that if God blesses me, then God can bless you, and then God can bless everybody. And if God blesses me, he can bless you, and he can bless everyone. So we don't have to be in competition with one another. That when God blesses someone else, we cheer them. Why? Is because their blessing is in some way will connect to my blessing. And my blessing will connect to their blessing. And then uh, according to the word of God, then all of us become blessed if we adopt the nature of God, which says that the blessing says that there is enough because they come from a God who is more than enough. And so we move from that, uh, Noah, and Genesis 6 to Genesis 12, and this is where I wanted to get to today. In Genesis chapter 12, the Lord appears to Abram and he says, get out of the system, get out of the system you're in into a place that I will show you. 
Now, God wants to show us something about faith. And, and in the midst of trouble, in the midst of cursings, in the midst of mentality of scarcity, faith is how God wants us to relate to him. In Genesis chapter 12, it's important to recognize that where there is faith, there is the blessing. Would you say that with me? Where there is faith, there is, faith. There is the blessing. Come on one more time. Where there is faith, there is the blessing. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. Let's read that together like we know it is the word of his power. Let's read it together now. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And what God is doing is God is showing us where there is faith. He imparts blessings. And it's important to remember that because God wants to show us that the blessing of connectivity. Because when God sees faith. He imparts a blessing so everything that is connected to the one who has faith is blessed. We look at that and we recognize then the connectivity is when God finds faith. He imparts the blessing, but it's not just for the person that has been blessed. But it is, it is not just for the person with faith, but it is for everybody who is connected to the person who even may not at that particular time have faith. So what does God tell Abram? Abram, he says that I will bless you. He says that I will bless your house. I will bless your children. I will bless your job. I will bless you, your city. And look at this. I will bless everything because of your faith. But there has to be a connection. And that's so important that we recognize that there has to be a connection because what we do is we see a shift in the thinking because blessing is really not about scarcity, scarcity mentality. But, but the Bible says that I have been blessed to do what? Be a blessing. I have been blessed to be a blessing. You have been blessed to be a blessing. The real key here is that do we recognize our blessing? And by recognizing our blessing, then we can be a blessing. And so let's take a look at this. Everything that God, uh, when God spoke to Abram, Abraham obeyed him. And the Bible tells us that uh, he, his, his wealth and his um, sustenance, uh, it, uh, it multiplied. And then we come to a place where Abraham and Lot, and this is how it gets connected. Lot is blessed because he's connected to Abraham. But notice this. Notice the other nature that's coming in. Abraham and Lot's boys start fighting against each other. And Abraham knows how this thing works, that the blessing is imparted into faith. And so Abraham says, no, we're not going to take that nature. And so he says to Lot, he says, now look, he says that uh, there's enough land for all of us. You choose which direction you want to go in, and I will go in the other direction so there's not a Cain and Abel spirit. So notice this. Lot, by sight, looks over and sees the well-watered garden. And he says, I'll take that way. He has a mentality of scarcity. But Abraham 
now starts moving and he's going in the desert. Why? It's because Abraham knows the concept that God has already shown him. And that is that wherever there's faith, the blessing is imparted. Therefore, Abraham doesn't really see a desert. Abraham sees an opportunity to exercise his faith because it was God who said that I'll bless you. It was God that told him I will make your name great, that I will bless your seed. And so Abraham, by faith, began to take all of his uh, uh, animals and, and his people and, his, and everything that he has and starts walking toward the desert. But he's just not walking toward the desert. He's walking toward the desert by what? Faith. Check this out. And so as he's walking toward the desert, Lot's got this mentality of scarcity and strife. And, and, and Abraham has this understanding of how God desires us to walk by faith. And so what Abraham does is he takes his blessings. He walks by faith into the desert. But, but notice what he does. He starts digging wells. And he starts building altars. And so notice what? God wants you to cooperate with the word that he gives to you. Because faith without action is dead. So Abram is walking, but he's just not walking in the desert. He's doing what he can do so that God can do what he desires to do through him. And so he, he digs wells, but he also he builds altars. Why does he build an altar? The Bible says he built altars in deserts, and he would give them a name. And, and the reason he did that is that when they returned to that place, that they would remember what God had done for them. Because it's so easy when you get a whole lot of stuff to, to forget what God has done. And, and we see throughout the Bible, by my own strength, I have gained this wealth. But, but Abram built altars, and he built these altars so that whenever someone returned, whenever they returned, that it would be a place where they, we would recognize that we've worshipped God here. And he would name it based on what God had done at that place. So he would always remember what God was doing and what the blessing would release and faith would release to him. But notice how it's connected. We come to Genesis 26, and now we've got Isaac. Abram dig, dig, is digging wells. He's digging wells. He's digging wells. He's digging wells. And now he lives and thrives with his livestock in a desert because he walked by faith. He dug wells by faith, and God imparted a blessing and continued to increase him. So now we have Isaac, and Isaac has an example that Abraham gave him. Isaac knew a lot about altars and worship because remember that he went on the uh, mountain and as he went on the mountain, uh, he says, Father, where's the sacrifice? And he says, well, God will make a way. And so he walks up uh, and, 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 and what we recognize in Genesis chapter 26, let's take a look at this very quickly because it's important that we recognize that it's really important to have an example of a father who was able to endure a famine. That's what I, Abraham did. There's a famine in the desert, and Abraham endured the famine. Why? It's because he knew how to build an altar and walk by faith. And so when he comes to Isaac, we recognize then that Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. Let's read that. Because <laughs> Abraham wasn't just digging wells. He was digging them by what? One more time. Abraham wasn't just digging wells. He was digging them by what? He was digging them by what? 
Abraham was digging wells, but he was digging wells by faith. And you know what? That got into the life of Isaac. And in Genesis 26, verse 1, let's read it together now. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Wait a minute. So here's another famine that's in the land. And it wasn't the same famine that was in the land during Abraham's time. It was another famine. And so here Isaac now, it finds himself in a famine just like his father. And in the natural, our desire is to do one thing, but with a godly example of a demonstration of faith and how God has shown himself, we have an example to do something consistent with what God has said. And notice what happens here. The Bible says that Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. I want you to see this. The word Gerar in the etymology, it means to drag away. And what God was speaking to him, don't get dragged away from what I'm about to say to you. He goes to the king, Abimelech, and there's a conversation that they have. But let's look here in verse 2. Let's read it together now. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall... Oh, wait a minute now. There's a famine in the land. And, 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 and what we look at is Egypt. When Egypt is spoken about, Egypt is usually spoken about, about going down. And, and so we find him is that he's in the land that's, that's uh, uh, what the Bible talks about to be drug away. God has given him a promise, but, but there is something that's trying to drag him away from that promise. And, and, and what Isaac began to hear is a word from God. God gives him a word. God, God gives Isaac a word. And so what we recognize then is that there is a tendency when our natural senses see lack that we want to leave where we are. God speaks to him and says that you're in the middle of a desert. He says you're in a famine right now. He says do not leave that famine. How many of you know that in relationships and marriages when people see that there's a desert in their relationship, that they want to leave it? And people leave relationships because there was a desert when, when God has not said that that's not. Now, I'm not talking about abusive relationships. How many of you know that, that when they say, I'm not going to leave my promise? How many of you know if you're in an abusive relationship, that's not a promise of God? Let the church say amen. amen. Uh, but, 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 but people uh, start drifting because there's a natural tendency uh, when we see lack to leave it. And so why? It is because it's a natural tendency of how God has demonstrated to us how we deal with scarcity. And so what God is saying to him, he's saying, stay in the land. God is saying to him, don't get outside of your promise. He's saying the promise will work. Don't get outside your promise. The promise still stands because of my faithfulness. So don't go out of the land. Don't go out uh, outside of your promise. Don't go down, he says, to Egypt. Don't lower yourself below the promise that I have given to you. Don't lower yourself to the bondage. Don't lower yourself to not enough. Don't lower yourself with the mentality of scarcity because the promise will work. 
And so don't lower yourself. Don't go down, but hold on to the promise that I have given to you. And so what, what, what we recognize then is that Isaac has to have faith to understand if God promises something, then he can perform it. And so notice in verse 12, it says it like this. Then Isaac sowed in that land. Wait a minute. Isaac sowed where? In the land that God told him to sow. Let's read it together now. Then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same oh, 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 my God. Oh, my God. He reaped in the same year. Faith imparts a blessing. Scarcity mentality causes the blessing to be at a distance. And the Bible says that God, there was a famine in the land. And God spoke to him and was encouraging him that do not go down below what I have promised you. But after you've done all you can, stand. And when God speaks to him, the Bible tells us that Isaac began to sow in a famine. And as he sowed in the famine, look at this. The Bible tells us he reaped in the same year and the Lord blessed him. Now, how many of you know that when there's a recession or there's an economic downturn, we begin to look at uh, what we're not going to do? And many times God may say what he desires you to do, but, 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 but we, we, may, we may look and we'll say, now, I'm not talking about uh, not having wisdom, but I'm saying that God has said to you that the promise will work. And so not to look at scarcity, and based on that scarcity, you begin to take the well-watered garden when God is expecting you to walk by faith in the middle of a desert. But notice what happened. Abraham began to dig wells. But you know what Isaac did? He dug wells also. And Isaac began to dig wells. Because if Isaac leaves the place of famine to find a place where he looks like there is um, more than enough, that he misses out on the impartation of God's blessing, and, and he only produces what he's able to produce within his own strength. But the Bible tells us Abraham was strengthened in his faith, and Isaac had an example of that. And so he began to dig wells. He began to build altars. He began to dig another well, and he began to build an altar. He began to dig another well, and he began to build an altar. And the Bible tells us the Philistines came, and they wanted to take his well. He just went and dug another well. And they wanted to take his, his, his well. He just went and dug another well. Isn't that interesting? The blessing always says that there's more than enough. And as he dug another well, look at this. The Bible says that Isaac dug the same wells that his father had dug, Abraham. The Philistines covered it up. But somehow by obeying God, God knew where his blessing was. And he began to dig the very same wells that his father Abraham dug. And Abraham was an example to him. And that blessing was connected to him. But it was connected to everything that was connected to him as God said that I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And all those that are in the earth that bless you, I will bless them and you shall be a blessing. Look at this. God always expected for the blessing to just cover us, for faith to just surround us. And so notice what, if you have faith, if you have faith, if you have faith, if you have faith, faith imparts a blessing. But as we see that the blessing means that if somebody else is blessed, then there's enough for me to be blessed. 
And if there's enough for me to be blessed, I can bless somebody. And when I bless somebody, God says, and I'm going to bless them that bless you, and they're going to bless you back. And then we see that the blessing is all around us. That's the fulfillment of the blessings coming upon you and overtaking you. That's what God has said.